You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we will be talking about some games played, followed by some upcoming games, and poorly described games. This is episode 38, and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Christo. And I'm Trevor. So I'm drinking a Snapple right now, which is inadvertently a product placement. We're not sponsored by Snapple. However, yet, would you guys like to hear the Snapple fact? I thought you were going to say the Snapple jingle. I was excited. I, I can't wait. That was a rhetorical question. I was going to read it no matter what you guys said. France used the guillotine as recently as 1977. It's a pretty fun fact, right? Oh, it's real fact. It's not fun. Uh, where's this going? <laughs> but actually, I, knew that that. Fact. I, I read that somewhere for some reason, which I was also really surprised by. So I'm wondering if you could, if they will ever make a real, a Snapple real fact board game. I mean, they made a game out of Pop-Tarts. I think the world is just waiting for you to design this one, Brandon. Patent pending on that one. <laughs> Snapple facts <laughs> the game. Actually, the funny thing is I don't even drink Snapple or whatever, so I was not sure what you mean, but they, it's apparently a thing. Uh, where'd they put them? Where'd they print them? On under like the caps or something? Yeah, yeah under yeah, the cap. That's what it says, yep. So if you drink uh, enough Snapple, you will have a mass amount of wisdom. That yep. reminds me of when they used to do like free giveaways under the Sprite caps. And uh, yep, I remember as kids, we, we used to hold the bottles up to the light to find the free ones and then just buy a free <laughs> one and keep getting, <laughs> keep getting the free ones. <laughs> the police are That's on their funny. way to your house right now, Trevor. Yeah, they're going to find out where all those <laughs> sprites went. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we have played board games besides drinking Snapple and Sprite. And here we go. All right, so this week uh, we played Praga Kaput Regni, which is a game by Vladimir Suhi, and uh, it's a four-player game, I think, right? Gosh. I'm yeah, wonderful. Uh, it does have a solo variant. That's interesting, actually. Uh, we did play it two- and three-player, um, me, Trevor, and someone else, and... What is the game? Uh, the game is actually kind of a rondelle game. Uh, it's kind of a lot of people kind of liken it to his shipyard game, which I still haven't played and I actually have. So that's, I was actually thinking now that I've played Praga and people are referencing, maybe I should just like break it out and, uh, yeah, just kind of experience that as well. Because some people are like, well, this is not as good as his other games. Some people are like, this is awesome. Uh, so there's kind of a, just a wide variety of opinions, I think, on the game. Um, core mechanics, I guess it's like, uh, like I say, a rondelle game at its core. However, the game is also about kind of comboing a lot of actions and just going up on tracks. Um, there's kind of a lot of, uh, rules. So I'm not going to go into specifics, but basically you're building, uh, building up the city of Prague. 
um, I think the title means the uh, Prague, the capital, right? Or something like that, Trevor. I think you had the Latin translation uh, and I looked it up and I forgot. I think it's like this, the city, the capital of Prague or something. I think that's what it is. So you're building a bridge over the river. I forgot the river's name. <laughs> and also kind of building up the new city and the old city and yeah it has a huge board that's really colorful it actually looks really cool uh to be honest it kind of grew on me the art though the first time i saw it i was not super excited about how it's gonna actually play because it's a very kind of euro game with uh kind of a tight game with calculations and stuff and i usually don't care about the icons but i actually enjoyed the art quite a lot when we played it um actually since trevor played it with me yeah what did you think about the uh mechanics trevor and what stood out to you as far as impressions from it yeah um so just really quickly i i used my google skills uh praga kaput regni means prague the head of the kingdom Yes. And the river is the Voltava, V-L-T-A-V-A, Voltava River. Voltava, maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, like like Krista said, um, actually, probably my favorite part of the game is how you do the action selection. Um, so there's this wheel on the board that spins around, and there's six different action tiles on it. Um, and each of those action tiles has two different actions. So when you're pulling a tile from the wheel, you have the option of one of the two actions on those tiles. Um, and, you know, obviously there's only a certain number of those actions. And, and so once one player takes a tile, it cycles back to the beginning, which is in a red area of this, um, of this dial that then t costs money to take the tile. So recently taken actions are more expensive to take again, which is, I guess, a way of uh, preventing people from just kind of spamming the same action over and over and over again. Um, but it makes it sometimes painful, but really interesting for the players who were really waiting for a tile to come around, but then other players took it and sent it to the expensive spot. And money is not necessarily the easiest thing to come by uh, because you want to use it for other things like building uh, buildings in the Prague area or building walls around your action board. Um, so I really, really enjoyed that action mechanism in the game. Um, I, I think that the, the, the way you can enhance your actions in this game is also really cool. What, what did you think about that, Haristo? Yeah, the way you can enhance your actions is they have kind of the classic text, which is an ongoing ability. However, they also have this entire mini game of upgrading the actions you take from the rondelle, basically. Uh, so you get these hexes from a research kind of market and you place them on the board. Um, and also, if you play the advanced variant, actually, the, on one of the tracks, as long as you're at a certain step, you can do something better. Actually, I haven't really seen this uh, previously in games. So you kind of have to like pace yourself, because once you leave something behind, uh, you kind of lose the tech, actually. I think that's kind of unique, actually, now that I uh, say it. Um, because yeah the, the, usually in games like you never lose the stuff you gain but in this one you have to leave some tech behind uh the mini game of the techs is the whole game you have to be just really careful that's basically my um, impression because 
um the first time i played it i didn't really really realize some the value of certain things and there's a there's a mini game of these tokens as well which are connected with scoring and i was just kind of amazed uh speaking of upgrades how long it takes your engine to just kind of take off the game just feels very like slow to me like really slow and actually at the beginning of the game it's one of those games where the first like two or three turns you're just like oh my gosh how are we gonna score like 20 points by the end of the game or something because it just feels like nothing is happening so i think you should really get kind of set up a carefully an engine which uh, you'll probably be using a lot because i also haven't made the mistakes in my couple of games so far of a tech which yeah i end up not using at all and the games are like really tight and um yeah but uh there's an entire mini game you play with hex tiles and you place them and you place walls around them and they match with these icons in the corners and it's not just like climb up on tech and get cool abilities it's uh play an entire mini game about it uh kind of unique yeah um <laughs> i don't know maybe to some people too much for what it's worth comes to mind as an expression like you, you put a lot of effort for these minuscule things that are worth like two three four points uh, but i think that's basically what the game is is like a lot of effort for very little incremental increases yeah I mean, to answer your question if if you if you end up with 20 points at the end of the game you went horribly wrong somewhere <laughs> Because um, I think that our average scores in over the two plays are have been well over 100 points. Um, yeah. So, but you are scoring many points along the way in the game. Um, and so I would say that you get, you know, 60 to 80 points during the course of of play, and then, um, you know, you do score a lot of points at the end, depending on which tracks you've pushed hard and and all that but to sort of piggyback off what what you were talking about the mini games this game feels like um it, it's it's a bunch of mini games put together um i think that they there are some cool synergies but if you go into the game expecting to fully play and max out all of the mini games you might be a little disappointed because there just isn't enough time i think you only have 16 turns in the game Yes. Um, so it may start slow, but it does have the the potential if you're able to line everything up. It it does kind of catapult uh, towards the end as you get, you know, you buy extra actions and one thing triggers another, which triggers another, and so there there are some, I think, climactic turns uh, towards towards the end of the game where you do some pretty cool things. But yeah, it is kind of. You take incremental steps at first, and then the steps get larger towards the end. So you just kind of have to be really careful about which actions you're selecting. And but uh, yeah, I I really liked the game. Um, I tend to of what I've played, I've liked uh, Vladimir Suhik's games quite a bit. So I'm excited to play uh, more of his titles. I know actually, I think Rado actually says that. Uh, what was it? What was that game you were mentioning? Shipyard. Yes, shipyard. Yeah. Uh, that's I think his that's previous Rondell game. Yep, and that's I think that's still Rado's like uh, proclaimed best game by Suki. So I, I should probably give that one a try at some point. But yeah, two thumbs up for me on uh, on Prague. I really really liked it a lot. Yeah, 
I was going to say, um, what did I like about the game? I actually kind of like the game overall. Um, usually I'm not a huge fan of those 16 turn games where you have to be super careful and you can't do everything. I like my games to be uh, just to kind of give you a lot of stuff in general, especially of this variety. But this one seems to be okay for some reason. Yeah, I really like uh, kind of the theme also actually comes through some of, sometimes in these games, for me at least, I mean, to, to the extent that it can come through. Uh, it has a really nice, big, beautiful board. Uh, there's, I saw some complaints about uh, the rondels in the corner and everyone needs to see it and the board is huge. So it ends up being really far away from some people. But I mean, that's kind of what was decided. Plus the essential, the essential 3D pieces don't get in the way at all. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention. Yeah, it has these uh, 3D pieces, which are completely optional and you can play completely without them. And they're just kind of fluff and uh, really odd fluff in a euro game like this he just doesn't need it um, well, we haven't we haven't played a game without them so i think that they're essential <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> I, I don't know yeah well the first game where you really thought about removing them because the board is they're printed on the board as well and it's fine but anyway uh the game reminds me actually of uh games other really careful uh slow build slow burn games where you get don't it doesn't feel like you accomplished much by the end, but uh, they gave you points. Like uh, actually, Ragusa comes to mind by Capstone and uh, Cooper Island. Actually, it reminds me of Praga, not as far as mechanics, just as far as how the game feels. So, if you like kind of shorter games like those with kind of lots of thinky turns, which are really important and trying to line things up, I think that's the game for you. Um, I still need to play it more. I'm not a huge fan of this style of game. But I like it more than other games of this kind for some reason. Um, it just kind of felt like uh, you all, you had decent actions to do. So it was usually picking between two good actions as opposed to I've had some other games where you're like, it just feels worse. This one was not that bad. <laughs> so, uh, But it, it not really my style of game in general, but I liked it. Um, so yeah, that's Praga Kaput Regni. Probably mostly because of the eggs, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of eggs, I guess uh, legend is eggs were used in the construction of the bridge over the river Voltava. So the eggs are actually in the game and you get to deliver them to the bridge along the King's Road. And they even gave you plastic eggs or... Yeah, the game choice of Euro <laughs> yeah. Euro gamers or Wingspan fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that he's he's definitely trying to to appeal to Wingspan fans with the <laughs> with this game. <laughs> but yeah, the the game actually comes with wooden eggs and cardboard eggs, and the rule book says pick which ones you like. Yep. So there's even choices in the components. But yeah, overall, I liked it, even though I'm not crazy about these types of games usually. Best game ever. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so the next game that all three of us have played, um, and we all three played it together, is uh, Bonfire. It's a new Stefan Feld title. Uh, I think the art is by Dennis Lohausen, or Denise Dennis Lohausen. I'm butchering that. Published by uh, Hall Games and uh, Pegasus Spiel. Um, so this is. Gosh, how to describe it? So you, the core mechanic is your actions are taken using action tokens. 
And depending on the action you're trying to do, you have to spend one or more tokens to do that action. And the theme of this game is we're a bunch of, um, what are we, dwarves or gnomes, uh, trying to relight bonfires and bring in guardians or yetis. The, the gnomes actually kind of look like little Yodas. So I think when we were playing, we were calling them Yodas and yetis, uh, super thematic. Um, so you're trying to relight this the, a bunch of bonfires on your personal player board, and you're um, sending gnomes to a council in the center space where the great bonfire is, and you're sailing ships around to these little islands um, to pick up various tokens for for various reasons. Um, Brandon was, I think. I mean, we played Brandon's copy, so this you probably were the maybe the most hyped. Brandon, what did you what did you like most about Praga? Or sorry, Bonfire. You want to talk about Praga? <laughs> yeah, what did you like about Praga? Praga, I, I was to, I was sleeping. Play Praga. I was yeah. sleeping the entire time. You guys were playing Praga. Can you just now? Can you guys just repeat what? No. Um, what I think about Bonfire was I hyped. Yes, absolutely. Like I really like Seffenfeld. And what was funny is that Trevor actually played a couple that we found to be duds. Now, some people like them, but I know Merlin was You guys was were one. hazing me. You were like introducing <laughs> me to all the bad Feld games. And then, uh, and then you whipped this one out. I don't think they're necessarily bad. They're just weird and very uncharacteristic of pretty much all yeah. of the games he's previously done. So like uh, games like Cocopelli and Familia, like card games, like that's just not the style of game he's done historically yeah you guys really got me with merlin too oh merlin yeah <laughs> actually merlin is more his style but uh i mean like roland like the roland right are you kidding me roland that's move. the weirdness there but that actually is more of his style just weirdness there is roland right uh roland move, move sorry yeah. roland move yeah um you know i i was i his recent games have not been very impressive to me. And as soon as this got announced and I was able to read a description on it, it sounded like he went back to form. And by that, I mean, like, one of my favorite games is Bora Bora by him. And the look of this and kind of reading through the rules sort of reminded me of that. Now, it's not really like that, except for the fact that it's very Feld-like. By that, I mean that there's a lot going on in it. And there's a lot to think about, and it's kind of point salady. You could uh, have several different roads to victory with it, and I did appreciate that uh, um, definitely. Also, the moving around on the map, uh, I'm always wary of that, but I think they did it kind of well. You know, you have to pay action tokens to go there, and then resources to move to different places, and they're connected by lines that you can ver see very well on the board. But uh, they there's many different options to move. Uh, from island to island and then you just pay extra to move further um i also i liked the trying to find i guess it's like tile placement to get action tokens yeah i was gonna say it has a very unique driving mechanic like trevor saying you spend action tokens to pay for actions however the way the way you get them is like a polyomino game of sorts like matching up colors uh, is what i would call it uh yeah not really poly polyomino though, right? Because polyomino is more like Tetris style uh, pieces. Monoomino. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> like they're, they're just, all the tiles have three colors. Yeah, they're they're just <laughs> yeah they're just straight lines. Yeah. yeah, three squares. Yeah, uh, and I thought that that would be a little more. 
what's the word? I thought that that would kind of hang you up a little bit, but honestly, I wasn't really thinking about setting it up. I was kind of just playing it piece by piece. Like, oh, there's a spot there where I can get double. If you match colors, then you can get double the action tokens. And I found that that probably wasn't the best. Like when I play it again, I'll definitely be thinking about setting up uh, better uh, action spots. But this was our first play. So I'm like, I don't know which spot is most important to me right now. And that was really tough. But upon future plays, I think that that would get easier and easier to realize what strategy you're going for. Therefore, you can plan on what action tokens you need a little bit more to set up that board. But I I think first play, you're just kind of like, I'm just going to put pieces down and try to get the most action points I can. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, and and that's actually something I really liked about this game was so I I'm a sucker for polyomino games in general, kind of, and I, I not necessarily like straight up polyomino games, but I like it when a domino type thing is mixed into another bigger game. And it, the cool thing about this is when you when you're matching these symbols up, um, and this is kind of what Brandon was was saying is um, when you get symbols that are adjacent to each other you're going to get basically activate that whole clump of the same symbol. So like there's this blue boat symbol, right? If you have four blue boats next to each other, when you place a new tile, you're going to get four boat actions, which can be really good. And that's, that's your action economy. So if you can't get the action things you need, it becomes really difficult to continue doing the actions that are going to, you know, maximize your game. And so it, it really is crucial that you get those placements right. Yeah, definitely. I also enjoy the trying to meet two two ends together. By that, I mean there's like portals that are on your personal board, and I think they're bonfires, if I'm not mistaken. They're like different colored bonfires, and yes, you're setting up the yeah. bonfires from left to right and the portals from right to left, and they're not going to do much for you unless they meet, and I, I found that to be uh, quite endearing as well yeah i guess what you guys kind of mentioned but uh the felt thing that i think is kind of characteristic for him is lots of goals and this game certainly has a lot of goals and there's all kinds of goals including first to have all the bonfires first to have all the portals first to have whatever so um if you like goals uh, felt is your guy <laughs> yeah plus there's all your uh your favorite rule breaky tech cards in this game Risto. yeah gosh i can't even remember tech <laughs> in this game i just remember yeah so there's and struggling over like the the pol the polyomino color game trying yeah. to get my actions to be cool yeah so the the basic components of the main board is half of it is the ship sailing area uh the other half of it has kind of two things where you have a central uh benefit yeah, you know, basically benefit selector where if you if you move the main beacon around you get to pick certain benefits from certain sections of this wheel so that's how you can get some resources and action tokens and some of the the portals uh like brandon was talking about that you have to build around the arc of your player board from right to left and then you have to build the beacons left to right the other the other component on the main board is uh you can pick from either sort of uh engine building cards or end game scoring cards. 
there's only, I think, six endgame scoring cards total for the whole game, but the engine building cards replenish. And I think you can buy up to six of these. And, and basically what they do is they either offer boosts to actions you do or um, exceptions to rules. Um, so it might make it easier for you to do something or it might uh, sort of boon your your uh, resource production for certain spots as you move your yetis around to get to portals. You're going to get maybe more resources. So I thought that that was also really cool on top of the um, little polyomino game you have going, you also have the ability to add engine building to your actions to make them uh, more powerful. I thought that was a really cool element of the game. Yeah, I remember now. Uh, actually, the game also has this thing with Feld. Is, uh, it's only been, what, like three weeks or something, but I kind of barely remember some things about the game. And I feel like the next time we play it, it's going to be kind of a relearn from the rulebook, which is kind of an issue with all of his games for me. Maybe I need to really play them over and over and over to remember all the aspects of them. But they have a lot of little things which seems kind of scary, but it's not that bad. It's just easy to forget, in my opinion. Even though I would say uh, I really enjoyed kind of the theme of it. I think it comes through for what it can with a game like this. Um, it feels kind of interesting. Yeah, you're, uh, I don't know. It, does this game I, I, remind... I, I enjoyed the theme. Does the game remind either of you of any other games? Maybe some felt games I haven't played or... Uh, but I was going to say, speaking of Brandon not liking his recent releases, I actually really liked his 2018 releases, which is Forum Trajanum and Carpe Diem. I thought both of those were really good games. Um, I have Carpe Diem, not Forum Trajanum, because I didn't buy it just two months ago and it disappeared under my nose. But... Um, it's kind of for me, like Brandon is saying, return to form for Stefan Feld. This is the usual type of game he does where um, this is what it feels like. And it has a certain feeling. Like I say, for me, I think it's uh, got, got to do with all these like goals. He really likes goals and uh, that's what he thrives on. And a lot of his games are just kind of short-term, long-term goals. And as long as you meet them you are going to be just fine. Uh, I kind of remember, I got shades of Luna with the islands because Luna, you also walk around islands, but there it's in a circle in the rondelle. Also, the game can be short or long depending on player collusion here because the timer is just people actually accomplishing their, uh, kind of lighting their bonfires and that, can be slow or fast for everyone so the players kind of control kind of like luna how long the game is the game doesn't have a set length really uh so we can everyone can kind of try to slow it down and to accomplish some larger goals or someone can try to rush it which is interesting but i usually hate rushy games this one gives you plenty of kind of warning that someone is playing faster so you should just kind of adjust your pace i think yeah, it has it has a lot going on like his older games do, but I wouldn't find I I don't wouldn't say it's too intimidating and also the uh the domino style pieces that you're putting on your player board come from another board and it's kind of like uh Luxor where you can pick the top or the bottom one to to put in. You can't just choose any of them. And that's attached to a board that's a player aid. It's a built-in player aid. It tells you every single action that you can do via icons. So I thought that that was very helpful in a game. I love when games, like, especially of this complexity, have built-in player aids that you're going to be using. And I think the symbols work just fine once you're familiar with the game. And the wheel in the middle that Trevor was talking about, I believe, is the 
titular character of the game, which is the Great Bonfire. I guess the minigame on your board kind of reminds me slightly of Forum Trajanum. There's a minigame with colors in the middle, but not really, where you're also trying to make... Uh, there, it's scoring-related. Here, it's actually how you generate your actions. So, yeah, I kind of slight vibes of some previous games that he's done, but it feels very fresh to me. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, yeah, this is like a lot like some other game. It's, it's definitely kind of very fresh as a uh, kind of all the mechanisms put together. Agreed. Uh, so uh, my opinions on it, as far as how much I liked it, I actually liked it a lot. It didn't let me down whatsoever. I think it lived up to the hype for the hype for me. Um, I would definitely need to play it some more to, uh, to really form an opinion on it. But I, I think it's one that's going to stick around for me for a while. Glad to hear. I really liked it as well. I'm also looking forward to more plays. Uh, ditto. (laughs) Liked it a lot actually bought it the same day we played it so that's right shame. yeah you bought it you right guys, after you we guys played it. you guys really pulled one over on me you got me like hating on feld and they're like <laughs> i'll try this one <laughs> well you just have to come in with low expectations and be just blown away yes. by how awesome it is every time i play a feld game i'm like i'm going to hate this and then, <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we got to show you Bora Bora, Castles of Burgundy, obviously, is like a classic. And my favorite from him is Trajan, just regular uh, Trajan. Yeah, I actually think, Trevor, you and your wife might enjoy uh, Carpe Diem as well. It's kind of a lighter game by him, but I think good. I think it's a good game. That's yeah. the one with the amazing box art, right? Uh, I can't remember the box art at all. I think it's just a standard Alea box art with some like shade of gray and some guy yep. from an old picture. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, it'll match all of your Alea games. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, all the Alea games I have. All right. Uh, so we also played. Well, Trevor did not play this one. Uh, but we played Glenn's Gallery, which was published in 2010 by Mayfair Games and designed by Dr. Reiner Knizia. It plays three to five players in which we played the full player count in our play. The box says 60, 90 minutes. Took us about an hour and 20 minutes. Um, so with Reiner Knizia, he's got so many games. And Risto and I had played a couple of his his classic games, and uh, that kind of revamped my kind of love for for uh, Knizia. And I found this game used for very cheap, and was like, well, might as well give it a shot. So, what is the game? Well, the theme of the game is your uh, employees at an art gallery, and you're trying to make predictions of how many customers will show up to certain spots. So there's five different boards representing five different places in the gallery that have to do with different cultures, art. And each place will have sort of a, 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 a bidding, sort of guessing mechanic on the board. They're all the same, except for how they look. And you'll have like a spot that it, it's a risk reward. So if you are predicting that one or less people are going to show up in that part of the gallery, you will get five points. But if you think that four, if you predict that four or less will show up, then you get just one point. And how do you make predictions? Well, on your turn, you're going to, you have uh, uh, some cards in your hand, I believe seven in a five player game. And that's sort of the information you have in the beginning of the round. This is customers 
that are going to be going to different these particular art spaces or the the different uh, parts of the building of the art, art gallery. And also there's going to be students, which is kind of funny because in the rule book, it says that they're like smoking cigarettes and blasting their music and like painting Picasso style art. Uh, they're going to chase customers away. So they just like delete a card. And how are cards getting played out? So on your turn, you're going to play out two cards from your hand where they go. And art students could be one of those that would just take away a pre-existing card or stay there to delete another card. And then you can make a prediction with just some some colored tokens of your color. You put it on one of the spots. And if you put it on a spot that's like, I think that two or less people are going to show up at this spot. Well, then that that spot is blocked for the round. So you're kind of like racing to different spots and making predictions. The mechanics on BGG call it bluffing, but I would call it more guessing. What do you think, Christo? I'd say like betting, actually. It's basically a betting game. Like I bet this many people will show up or I bet that there's this many cards around the table really is what you're betting uh, because you deal out the cards from a deck. So uh, yeah, I'd say betting, really. Bluffing, I don't know. Bluffing to me is like kind of deception related. Like, ooh. And, well, there is some bluffing because in theory, by what people bet on, uh, you should be able to tell what they're holding in their hand. I don't know if that really happened. <laughs> I don't think game. it happened in our game at all because, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if if it did happen, it didn't happen for bluffing purposes. It happened for kind of like almost just like, uh, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. They put down eight plus and they're just like, oh, because it's, it's, you know, high points and they're trying to catch up. Or the thing is, is like, if, if you get a wrong bet, you lose that piece until you have one or less pieces. So you could just be doing a Hail Mary just to get all your pieces back. So I don't know if bluffing came involved in our game at all. Yeah, it's kind of a weird game overall because um, I was just looking actually at the reviews as you're talking about it and someone's like, uh, are you kidding me? Your solution to me doing poorly is to, for me to do more poorly. Uh, but yeah, the game actually, <laughs> once you're losing, it pushes you to even more extreme bets. So it's almost like a game of basically shooting the moon in, uh, yeah. if you've played hearts. But like, if you fail to shoot the moon, you should try to shoot two moons or something. You know what I mean? It's just like uh, you are encouraged to do more and more extreme bets and it just gets worse and worse in some ways. Um, it felt kind of chaotic to me. But yeah, what did you think about that aspect of the game? Like control? I don't know. Yeah, just uh, in general. yeah, not much control. I mean, you have seven cards in your hand, but if you're playing with five players, they also have seven cards in your hand and they are playing them out. So like near the end, uh, you're gonna get a pretty good idea of what's out but by then it's probably too late so like i don't know how much control you have i think this game is more just kind of uh i would almost say on the side of party game but that's not quite <laughs> quite right either because i don't know how much fun everybody was having <laughs> yeah it's a party game where nobody has fun <laughs> yeah, haven't you been no, to those parties the funniest thing is it's kind of true though and it i think comes from that mechanic of like i'm losing and i'm encouraged to do extreme bets and then i just lost again because i made an extreme bet and let's make an extreme bet again yeah <laughs> i mean I, I, like <laughs> I guess you could get lucky in those particular moments yeah. i never did when i was just being when i was just trying to get my pieces back it wasn't like oh look at that i tried to get my pieces back and i actually got five points 
didn't happen. Also, well, I should I say that it's a, it's a it's a it's a retheming of sorts of members only, which I never played. But that's yeah, a, that's I was a, actually yeah. I was actually looking at comments about that, and people say members only they like better. This is has horrible art or whatever or whatnot. I actually don't really mind the art in this one. To me, it's fine, and I don't really have complaints about it. Um, I've never played members only, but it looks kind of more bland with just like tracks, yeah. uh, which I felt like the galleries were a little bit confusing because they're like a spiral. Like, why are they a spiral? I guess it looks thematic, but it would have been better if it's just a line or something, you know, like maybe they should have painted the huge board with lines on top of it instead of five small boards. Anyway, stuff like that. The type but, of gallery where at the, once you get to the final room, a metal door slams shut and you're stuck in there. Uh, yeah, actually, the final room is the highest bet. So, uh, well, one of the highest bets. <laughs> so, yes, you do get shot and but pretty much like a trap door opens and you're just like, whoa. But uh, no, I, the, I feel like for what the game was trying you to do is to accomplish extreme bets. Uh, what Brandon, did, I don't know if you mentioned it, but the deck doesn't get dealt out with the cards. So basically, you're kind of betting that the cards didn't or did get dealt out around the table because most of them will get played. So there's very little, like once the cards get dealt out, very little that people can change by their actions, which is my main kind of complaint about the game. You're basically trying to guess what cards have been dealt out for a couple of hours. And uh, we did have a round where someone actually did get lucky with a really good bet and they actually didn't win the game, but they did really well. Uh, but that was just, I think, a surprise to literally everyone. Everyone was like, what the heck just happened? You know, it's just like, I don't know. To me, it just felt chaotic is what the words really that I would uh, just kind of a couple of uh, an hour and a half of chaos to me. That's kind of my summary of the game. Yeah, uh, yeah. My opinion is not too far off. It, it felt chaotic. It didn't seem like you had much control. And I felt like I was mostly guessing for the right, right part. And sometimes I would have a, like a lot of cards in my hand and, and be like, you know what? I think I'm going to make a right prediction. But then there's uh, then the, the two students that delete those cards come out and I'm like, well, there's nothing I could do about that. And no, no one else is holding those cards. And I didn't have any knowledge of that. So, yeah, it just felt uh, sometimes frustrating as well that you have no control. So, <laughs> like, I, I, I wouldn't I don't find myself rushing to play this again. The circumstances would have to uh, like. I don't know what the circumstances would be, to be honest. I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't want to play this again. But I don't think that's uh, too bad for anybody listening because it's, uh, it's hard to find anyway. It's like a 2010 game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was actually surprised when you said 2010 because it feels like an older game, like just kind of the beginning of the 2000s, which makes sense because Members Only is uh, 96. So yeah, it's basically a straight remake, I think, mostly. Yeah. Uh, one really important question. Uh-huh. Does the box cover light up with neon lights? <laughs> Glenn is too cheap to turn oh, on the neon, I see what neon you're lights. Yeah, it looks yeah, the like font. um like one of those neon lights you see at like a pub or the liquor yeah. store. Yeah, it sure does. You know? That's kind of funny for like a game that's about art galleries that it has something kind of really bad 
Yeah, I was actually joking about Glenn being too cheap to turn on the lights because the rule book, like when it teaches you, they all have all these jokes about like Glenn being a cheap, uh, Glenn's the owner of the gallery and you're working for him. So it's like employee re-education and all these like kind of jokes. The theme was like not there at all for me. I don't know. It just kind of, I didn't care really. It's just kind of betting on numbers, uh, the, Mm -hmm. the style of game. Which I actually don't mind this style of game. And and you introduced me to one that I actually liked better. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Divinare. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a better game, to be honest. Yeah, that's also how to print old game, but uh, it's a shorter game where you're similarly betting on, I think we talked about it a few shows ago, uh, betting on how many cards have been dealt around the table table, and looking what people are placing their tokens on to try to kind of guess based on what you're holding, what's been dealt out. Oh, the, the, I should say the difference in that game is actually, um, I think... All the cards get dealt? Uh, no, I think it's similar. I was going to say, it just felt like you had more control somehow. Maybe uh, because in this game, you have you have to ultimately play all your cards. I think in the other one, you could actually withhold some cards, which is very important to kind of like uh, give you a feeling of control. I think yeah. even one more card. Because this one, it felt like basically, well, I can see my hand, but I have to play it eventually. So like, yay. <laughs> I just kind of get to, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Because at... At near the end of the game, I was like, what does it matter wh- when I put <laughs> what these does out? It matter what I get dealt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I felt in the beginning of the game like, well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll hold off on playing these cards because maybe somebody will uh, play a student and get rid of it. But I'm like, but they could, they could do that at any point. And you do discard <laughs> one card from your hand at the end of the round. So everybody's not going to play one card. But I don't know if that really has any decision making through the round as far as when you're playing the cards you know you're going to play it's very minor i think if you put in a lot of effort and if everyone in the group is willing to just like watch everything super closely and try to like make predictions that are logical it could work but it just feels like in this type of game the effort is it's too much effort i don't think it's worth spending the effort to play this and try to do well to be honest it just kind of feels very kind of chaos all right 10 out of 10 would play again yep (laughs) (laughs) all right well we'll be moving on to upcoming games a lot of crossovers in this segment tonight um, I'll just talk about an upcoming game, which we've actually um, already kind of previewed, I guess, slash played on uh, Tabletop Simulator, currently going on. Thing. <laughs> currently going on uh, Kickstarter, Darwin's Journey. It's a new game uh, by the guy who designed Newton, and I can't remember his name because it's uh, Simone Luciani. No, no, the other guy. Nestor Mangone. Yeah, Nestor Mangone is the other guy, and Simone Luciani is the yeah the one that I knew, and it's a worker placement game which is really cool actually (laughs) very informative uh unique in some way uh worker placement game where your workers have colors and the colors they have 
determine where they can go. So kind of a concept like uh, reminds me of that Chimera Station game where you attach like claws to workers and they can then like push other people out or you attach like heads to them and they could do something better or something. It's like worker building, yeah, asymmetric workers. Um, really cool concept. Uh, kind of a heavy-ish game, a lot going on, uh, similar to Newton, but not really, I would say. It's actually a very kind of fresh feeling, and I think it's one of the better worker play, uh, game, worker placement games I've played just in general. Like It just feels like really unique and cool and modern. Uh, a really cool game, really looking forward to it. I'm not really going to go into detail because I'm sure once we... Uh, I think we're both getting it, uh, me and Trevor at least, and we'll probably be playing it more and talking about it in the future. But my initial impressions are really good. I think it's a really good game, which I really like. So Darwin's Journey and Trevor plays with me. I don't know if he wants to mention something. Uh, yeah, just... I won't <clears throat> go into it too much, just echoing what you said. I think... Uh, really solid worker placement game. And and, and I like that uh, not only do workers have colors, but they can have multiple colors. So you're assigning them wax seals and they can hold, I think each worker can have up to six different seals. Yes. And one, the mo- once you hit like four seals, then you become a silver worker, which unlocks extra bonuses at certain sp- spots. And then once you get your final seal, you become a gold worker and then you get the silver and the gold bonus. So you kind of really try to pump those all the way up to make your workers um, as you know really valuable to get you additional bonuses. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it. Enjoyed uh, the plays we've had so far. We actually found a way to really break the game if anyone's interested. Uh, it can be a variant yeah. for like well, the, the easy game. <laughs> I was going to say it's a trademark of Simone Luciani games where it's like they show you three icons and the game actually has 15, but good luck figuring out the other 10. To be honest, uh, to be fair, I guess the icon which we uh, screwed up was in the rule book. Uh, we just didn't find it. And I believe what Trevor told me. So we played it wrong one time, but then we played it right. And it was good as well. Um, the wrong thing was actually pretty bad, but still it didn't <laughs> completely break the game. It just made it kind of slightly easier and more yeah. exploding in some ways. But yeah, lots of icons, which of a game for a game of that kind, I think the first playthrough is kind of learning anyway. And for me, even the second playthrough apparently, but yeah, yeah, the really cool game. I have really good impressions of it. Uh, that's actually really exciting because uh, Simone Luciani for me is almost an auto buy. And uh, when I first looked at this, I thought that it looked a bit similar to Newton, but I'm glad that it has a different feel. Now, when yeah, you because Newton isn't different, yeah, Newton isn't a worker placement game. But when you say that the workers of different colors can be multiple colors, is that represented on your board? The seals. Yes, yeah. basically it's like a worker building game. So the ability, the, the colors they have gives them the ability to go to certain spaces. So if your worker doesn't have a particular color, they just can't go to a particular space. So it's almost like planning kind of what you're good at and what you're going to be doing in the game. Very interesting concept. Kind of like basically worker building. That's that's what it yeah. is, worker yeah. building. Yeah, so Brandon, the way it works is on your player board, you have a slot. Everybody's starts with four workers and each of them has a row next to their sort of their home spot on your player board where you can insert these different colored wax seals 
Um, three of them can be upgraded, so building them into stronger workers. One of them is just a wild worker, so he only has one, he or she, whatever, it's a uh, just a piece of wood, uh, has a purple seal, which is wild, and so they can be placed, they're kind of flexible and can be placed anywhere. Um, and and so those three workers, you're trying to buy seals for them from a seal market, uh, wax seal market that's on the board. That's one of the spot uh, worker placement actions is to get more seals. And so you're buying more seals to insert and make your workers upgraded. So are these workers like different shapes? Is that how you know which is which? Nope, they're actually all the same color, but it, it only matters for when you place it. Um, because at the start of the round, all of the workers are in their spot. Oh, I see. I and see. so to the right of them, you see what their powers are. And then you place them on the board and you'll never place them or move them again. Yeah, and so I, you, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it only matters at the time of placement. So there's no need to track which is which. Sounds good. Yeah, I, I I like the theme a lot. I don't know how much that comes through, but I would like looking at what the theme uh, is on the from the art. But actually, for the again for the type of game, like there's only so much you can do. The theme is really good, I think, because you are exploring the islands very importantly. You're actually finding specimens on the islands. You're delivering them to a museum. Everything is like actually super thematic and good. I don't know about your workers getting educated or whatever, but that's fine. But no, it's it's really good. I, uh, just everything is positive about this game that I have have experienced. Nice. What do you got, Trevor? All right, so I'm going to mention, I don't know if we've talked about this before, it's called Cloud Age, or as Risto says, Cloudage, because <laughs> BGG, or maybe it's on the box, uh, it's Cloud Age, but it's kind of like mashed together into one word. Uh, so, Cloudage. <laughs> uh, this is uh, <laughs> this is a new Alexander Pfister game. Um, Arno Steinwender is maybe a co-designer published with Nanox Games and Capstone Games in the US. Um, so this is um, an interesting twist in the Fisterverse um, because it's a campaign-style game, but it's a lighter game. Um, the, the theme of it is that it's sort of kind of a post-apocalyptic setting, um, and the players are flying around in these Zeppelins um, battling cities to kind of take them over and drop your cube on it and get resources from them. And, and you pick up resources from uh, hexes along the way. Um, and you can upgrade your airship so that it can move further or fight more or uh, plant vegetation sort of around, uh, around your board. So maybe you're kind of sort of trying to rehabilitate the earth as well. Um, and we played it one time in the non-campaign. They have sort of like just one-off games you can you can play. Um, and just the game was really cool. Uh, it's got kind of a deck-building element to it, resource management. Um, it's got an action selection board that includes one of my favorite elements of games, which is a follow mechanic. So... Um, you know, it, the, the each round goes in a progression of produce 
resources based on this production board. Then you move your ship, fight cities, and uh, you know do things with your ship. And then you go to this action selection phase where each player gets to choose one of the available actions on the board. In the full game, it's uh, build a building or put down a card and cards have like points or engine or resource production on them. Uh, and, or you can um, select a spot on one of these three um, cards. And this is, I'll try to explain this in a really clear way. Cause it's kind of a, a really unique mechanic, but so the game comes with these uh, sleeve sleeves that have cloud stickers on them. And the way you add to your deck is by this action where you insert one of the cards that is going to become the card you're effectively buying. Um, and on the cards, there's opportunity to produce one of the four types of resources. So I think it's like metal, water, uh, energy, and drawing cards, I think is the other one. Um, and what you're doing is, so the card is kind of obscured by this cloud sticker that's over the sleeve. Um, and so you're trying to kind of guess or deduce based on what you can see of the card, what is going to be the prominent resource on that card. Um, and and so you kind of say like, well, this card looks like it have the most of metal or it might have a lot of water. So I could potentially get uh, a lot of water out of this card. So you put your your cylinder on like the, one of the four resource types. And then the other players also get to select one of the resource types. And then once everybody has placed, you pull the card out of the sleeve and you find out what you got. Um, and then that card goes into the deck of the player whose turn it was to select the main action. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen that mechanic in a game before. It, it, I was a little nervous about it because I thought it might be a little random, but there is kind of enough information to make an educated guess. And, and that was just a really cool mechanic, I thought. Um, and then the other main action on the board is to just select, uh, put out or get uh, these hex, these hex tiles that you place on the board to uh, basically start rehabilitating the earth or get resources or, or what have you. Um, but yeah, this, uh, the game is pretty light, but I'm really excited to actually play the campaign through. I think it's only seven, seven scenarios. So once we, uh, actually Risto and I were hoping we could rope you into that one, Brandon, cause I think a three player game would be cool, but, uh, yeah, cloud age, uh, first impression, really cool. Really looking forward to playing it more. Um, I don't know if, uh, Risa, you had any thoughts you wanted to share on that? Uh, yeah, just really quick. I'm kind of less excited than you about this game, to be honest. I was looking at VG and I'm amazed that it's rated 7.9 right now. It's just like, I don't know. I'm kind of uh, surprised that it is because maybe it's the intromission as well, but because we just played an intromission, but it didn't feel like the game was had like too much going on. Very light, like surprisingly light actually kind of game of, um, from Alexander Pfister. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's a fine game, but I was expecting kind of more of an engine aspect to the game. The engine kind of relies on the cards you draw more than other games of his, unfortunately, I think to some extent. So it kind of pushes you into maybe specific paths by just what you drew or you spend a lot of time to find the right card sometimes. Um, 
the combat is like soup. Everything is just really, really simple and um, kind of not too much going on is just my first impression of the game. I am hoping that uh, there is a completely new mechanic which is turned off completely for the intro mission. Uh, when we introduce that, hopefully there's going to be more things to kind of uh, look at and more decisions and more interesting things to do. Uh, to me, it felt kind of a little bit barren. Ha! Huh, get it? Because it's cloud age and there's a desert underneath you and very few cities. Um, very simple kind of game. Um, but yeah, I am. I would. I am interested in playing the campaign. And like I say, I hope the full game with everything turned on and uh, you play an extra round as well is what I looked at. Uh, is going to be better overall. Yeah. Yeah, to be absolutely clear, like it is, it is a lighter game. It's it's supposed to be like an hour uh, when you play yeah. it, so it's it's not of the same weight of other Fister games. But I I it felt unique, and you know I I don't mind having a bit of a lighter game that you know won't take two or three hours to play here and there. So it's uh, I'm looking yep. forward to playing more of it. Yeah, that cloud mechanic is pretty hilarious, though. Uh, but it is a little bit rolling, kind of like rolling a die, which is kind of goes along with the lightness of the game, I would say. Yeah, and he, the, it was presented to be a lighter Fister game. But yep. uh, I'm definitely interested in this. I've been interested in a while. Uh, Trevor actually made it sound pretty fun, so I, I would actually be up for a campaign. <laughs> yeah, before um, Risto rained on my parade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you probably mentioned this, but how many do you, how many games are in the campaign? Seven, I think. Yeah, that's not uh, bad. Yeah, you can play three kind of intro missions, so to speak. And I think the third one is the full game kind of, and you can play it repeatedly. Uh, or you can do the campaign. Those are, It has like two modes of play. I think the endless game is the third one of the intro ones, so to speak, once you're done with the campaign. Actually, I don't know, maybe you can play the last mission of the campaign over and over. We'll have to see how they've handled that. I'm actually kind of curious. Yeah, you know, and if I ever start a hair metal band, Fisterverse will be the name. <laughs> One more quick uh, looking forward to mention for me is Kanban EV or Kanban Ev. Forever. Kanban Forever. Uh, it's I, I mentioned this because the Kickstarter copies are starting to uh, be delivered. I received my copy this last week. Um, if you want to know what Kanban is, it's been out for a while, so you can look it up. It's a Vital Asserta game. Core mechanics are action selection and resource management and upgrading cars because you're building uh, electric vehicles and trying not to get Sandra, the plant manager, too mad at you. And uh, yeah, the, the game is beautifully overproduced, and I'm looking forward to digging into it at some point soon. Yeah, I think we played the first Kanban and talked about it maybe a year ago, more than that. I just remember because, yeah, it's a good game. Uh, interesting game. I'm also interested, yeah. Yeah, this is this will be the third incarnation of this game, right? It was uh, What's Your Game, I believe, and then it moved to Stronghold. Dri Driver's Edition, I think, was the yeah, second from edition. Stronghold, uh, and then now this is Eagle Griffin. Did you call it Kanban Forever? Yeah, because it's Kanban EV, so Kanban for it stands for electric vehicles. Yeah, that's I what think. I yeah. thought. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because so you know it's, it, it's, it's environmental friendly now. That yes, <laughs> it was a joke. Like EV for EV for oh yeah, 
<laughs> I'm funny, Brandon. <laughs> I'm getting that. <laughs> All right, that was upcoming games. So up next will be poorly described games. All right, in this segment, we're going to play a game. Each of us are going to describe a game, a board game, poorly, and the rest of us will try to guess what it is from that description. Now, we will be keeping score uh, for no prize except for maybe respect. And you at home can do the same if you like and compare your scores to ours. Christo, why don't you hit us with yours first? Because I know yours is going to be the hardest. Well, actually, like minutes to get his first one. I I questioned my addition of the last sentence here because I think someone might get it because we joked about it. But we'll see. Let's let's see. Let's see how it goes. All right, here goes. Uh, it's a game where it takes a lot of effort just to visit your neighbors, but when you do, you get more and more excited, especially if you're odd. Especially if your odd is supposed to be the one that we're... Yes. Visiting your neighbors. It's a game where it takes a lot of effort just to visit your neighbors, but when you do, you get more and more excited, especially if you're odd. So excited. So excited. Uh, it's not Fort, is it? Actually, Brendan, unfortunately, you're at a disadvantage on this one. Spoilers. Uh, it's been a while for you for this game, I think. Oh. I'm actually not sure if you even played it. So this might be kind of tough for you. So it's Trevor or, or Bust. Bust. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of drawing blanks. Visit your neighbors. Which more game excited. does it take a lot of effort to visit your neighbors? Meaning travel. Marco Polo? Oh, yeah, you got it, actually, amazingly. I did play the oh. first one. Uh, the joke <laughs> is, especially... You got if me, because you don't visit your neighbors. <laughs> well, I couldn't say, like, visit your neighboring cities, because you'd get it immediately, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you get excited because you get ongoing engine bonuses. I thought you, the odd was going to be a give, give that giveaway, because we joked about this character that I played last time called Gantuga Odd, who was really powerful. Oh. So that was <laughs> the joke there, is like, especially if you're odd. Uh, his name is Odd. Yeah, your neighbor's comment threw me off the trail. That was that was clever. Yeah, sorry. I no, I, I tried to choose words that are not like trigger words like church and uh, like city. And so like just think creatively, I guess, like in general. But good job, maybe Brandon, my, actually. That's amazing. That be you, easier. you didn't even play the game for what? Like, did you ever play the first one? I can't remember if you played the first one with us. I only played the first one. And that's like what I remember best about it is the traveling was really difficult. Yeah, that's like what hits you the first time in the game, I think. is just like it takes like one round just to make it to the second city. <laughs> <just> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> All right, so, Trevor, hit us with yours. All right. Um, let's see which one do we would do first. Uh, we'll try this one. You better give me what I need, or my forest will explode. Fort, root. I was thinking root as well. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I don't forest. know. If forests explode. 
Oh, forest explodes. Uh, quacks of Quedlinburg. Things explode there. I don't know. That's been a while, actually. Incorrect. Is it forest photosynthesis? No. You better give me what I need or what what I want. Yeah, let me let me say it again like this. I'm I'm gonna swap out the last word. You better give me what I need, or my forest will implode. That didn't help me. <laughs> yeah, that that actually confused me even more. So good job, uh, forests. Is it the literal literal forest is imploding? Like, how is a forest? Imploding? Are you asking for a clue? Um. Well, is it the farming game like Uwe Rosenberg, like Fields of no. All? Because no. that's the, like you're removing forests in those games to plant stuff, like Glass Road or yeah. something. Think simpler. Hmm. I'll probably like slap my forehead when I hear the answer. It's a literal forest, though, right? Like <laughs> yes. Liter- yes, there is a there is a forest. This sounds like a sci-fi game, and I like sci-fi games, so this disturbs me. Just kidding, it's probably not <laughs> sci-fi. Forest will implode. Cry Havoc! Just kidding, definitely not. Is there forests in Cry Havoc? Uh, I mean, like, the whole planet is a forest, if you believe hard enough. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm grasping at straws here, basically, okay? <laughs> I think... We're giving up, unless you give us another clue. Yeah, that's pretty give up to me, I drawing blanks. Give up You want me to just tell you? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> it's Fox in the Forest duet. Oh, I've never played the duet. <laughs> yeah. It's imploding there. Oh, like you the add, forest is taking yeah. over. Yeah. Oh. Gosh, I, that's a game where like... I definitely had not thought about the theme of like the forests like yeah. crawling in. I just think of those as like tokens. <laughs> like it didn't yeah. even register in my brain that it's a, the yeah. forest so, crawling. Brandon, for your benefit, um, when so the, on the cards, you know, it's a, it's a trick taking game. Yeah, um, yeah, I know for, it's a co op trick taking. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's co op. So you're you're each playing. It's you know standard trick taking rules, but on each, on cards there are a certain number of paws, and the paw icons move you along on this on this track, this line. And and what you need to do is you need to collect these gem tokens. And so whoever wins the trick, unless a card says otherwise, that the token is moving in their direction. And if the pawn, or if your token ever moves beyond a space um, that is available on the line, then you basically lose that round, and you add a, a forest token to make your track smaller. I see. Yeah, I've only played the original. Yeah, sorry, I thought you'd played this one, so that's my bad. Yeah, I was gonna say you've uh, given me new thoughts about the appreciation of the theme in that game because I couldn't really find the reasoning i think previously about those tokens uh existing like what what is happening but i think yeah it is the forest kind of crawling in and making your path shorter yep yep all right well there's my obscure one for you i guess you guys were going for stumping i'm trying to think if mine are too easy now compared to your guys's but <laughs> oh don't worry not all of mine are that are that i thought was i picked my probably my most obscure one first 
All right, I'm actually going to change the last word I used in this. So it's not. It's so implode. Like me. It's it <laughs> yeah. was you took implode, and I can't say it again. No, all right, here it is. Several natural disasters, a clash of religion and power, and a collection of hair. No, Lisboa through the ages. It is Lisboa. Collection. Oh, collection. Wigs. Gosh. Yep. Yeah. Wigs. Never mind. Never mind. Way too easy, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, I got it. I think if you had said wigs, yeah, that'd be even more. I was going to say two pays, but same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> that would actually be funny. <laughs> Change it from from fancy wigs to like greasy two pays. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Fristo, go for it. Uh a lot of little successes add up to a big success. Religions has never been so profitable, particularly if luck is on your side as well. Praga? No. Wait, say, say it again. A lot of little successes add up to a big success. Religion has never been so profitable, particularly if luck is on your side as well. Is it the Trois Rolling Right game? No, it's Trois. That's that fits pretty well, but no. <laughs> it's uh, uh, Tournay. You guys are on the right track. Uh, that's all I should say. But it's not Tournay either. <laughs> oh! If you get stuck, I have a clue that will get you unstuck, possibly. So think about it, maybe a little bit more, and I'll give you this unstuckiness. <laughs> Thinking more like a round shape. <laughs> I'm thinking round. Red Cathedral? <laughs> yes, oh, Red Cathedral. Nice. Yeah. The little successes adding up to big successes, the yeah. little points adding up to big points. Because oh, yeah, it yeah, has yeah. little points, big points. And it's all Should about it? like religion and dealing with the clergy and gold and churches and stuff so yeah yep you should have said a lot of little bad successes add up to good success <laughs> yeah, they're not bad actually you get two coins there that's the best usage for them in my opinion the little yeah. points yeah we were yeah. calling them bad points though i think we still do call them bad points when we played last yeah well i call them bad points but whatever because that's what i think about think of them as little points oh. i guess is the little points and big points kind of a unique th thing in that game uh, i'll just always think of them as bad points uh, all right, next to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does it ever feel like people are just using you? You spend all your time trying to make everyone happy, but they'll just abandon you in the end. Oh. Pursuit of happiness? No. Oh, Tekenu. No. You make people happy there. There's so, really a happiness track. I thought that was... The, but they don't the, abandon you. you yeah, I know. That doesn't fit, but yeah. details. Oh, so you, Brandon, is it Village? It is not Village. Yeah, let me... Let me uh, well, you guys give a couple more guesses. You lose your workers or something? I can't think of a single game where you lose your workers. Well, That's Village, so they die. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But it's not that's that. actually really good. Yep, yep. Let me give the clue again. I'll change one word. See if it makes it a little more clear. 
Does it ever feel like your friends are just using you? You spend all your time trying to make everyone happy, but they'll just abandon you in the end. Did you change something? Yep. Yeah, I thought nothing changed I as well. I, uh, the first time I said, does it ever feel like people are just using you? I changed it to, does it ever feel like your friends are just using you? Oh, is it Fort? It is Fort. Yeah, because oh, they leave. Yeah. Because you're trying to keep them happy at your party building your fort, but then they leave because you're you're boring and you don't play them. Yeah, play yeah. Them. I so. kept thinking of meeples workers and uh, yeah, so think about cards until yeah, you said friends. All right, got him. Here's my second one. Hanging out in the shade could make you rich. Everyone's favorite color is purple. Why must we always go in circles? Darwin's Journey. <laughs> I haven't played that. <laughs> uh, purple is a really significant color it, uh, there because you get wild, wild seals. No. Oh. Sorry, can you read again? I didn't fully yeah. pay attention either. Hanging out in the shade could make you rich. Everyone's favorite color is purple. Why must we always go in circles? Purple. What the heck? Jeez. Bonfire? Is there purple and bonfire? I don't think so. I mean, Coimbra came to mind. Same thing, Twad Dice. Uh, but there's like <laughs> there's shady. No purple. There's no purple there either. Purple is a little weird. Uh, yeah. I can think of what has purple. Purple is my favorite color in Coimbra. I thought you guys would get this rather quickly. Oh, uh, now I feel stupid. Yeah, <laughs> same. Hold on, hanging out in the shade. Oh, you guys went, oh, you all went full Christo this time. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it all makes sense to you once I say it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Purple, purple. I'm thinking. Oh, there's some purple like in your Luciani games, like the thing with the towers. Gosh, what's it called? The game. Like, oh, Lorenzo? No. Lorenzo. It's not a Luciani game. Santa Monica. No. There's not a purple in that, is there? It's just orange and green or something. I thought Luciani Games had purple like workers or something. Gosh, workers. I'll give you a hint, but this hint is going to be big and it's going to be a race to it, I believe. Oh, uh, purple is your servants in uh, Lorenzo. Whatever, yeah. Lorenzo. That's why I thought purple. Yep. All right. Here's yeah. the here's the big hint. Hanging out in the sun can give you resources. <laughs> so photosynthesis. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't give you resources. That gives you points, sun points. Well, yeah, sun points. I mean, I guess it's a resource. Resources. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, when you say it, I'm going to just... Oh, is it like the canoe that has a shade, sunny and shady side? I've never, Brandon I've never played, to play that canoe. one. Yeah, I didn't yeah. play it. It also doesn't have purple, I think. Yeah, it says like the exact opposite of purple, like no colors whatsoever. Although I, one of the player colors is pink, I think, so... Gosh, man, this is crazy. I can't hang out. In the sh so what was it? Shade makes you happy. Rich. Rich. Sun gets your resources. That should do it for you. Oh my gosh. I'm so lost right now. The only thing for some reason is the candle that I can think of with darkness and light. Or bonfire, but that's not really it either. If something is growing in the shade, 
maybe it's not of great use to you, so you sell it to get money. <laughs> this is crazy. What the heck? <laughs> For some reason, uh, now I'm thinking about that pepper game where you walk around and plant ghost peppers, and I can't even remember the name of it. Oh, Skullville. Uh, Skullville. Uh, yeah. Skullville. I almost did but, one involving yeah, Skullville, but I did not. But that doesn't have a sun mechanic with sunny and shady stuff. So no. that, that's like a farming game. Is it like farming related? Gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, Castles kind of. of Burgundy? I don't think that has a brightness mechanic either. No, I think I give you guys enough hints. That's crazy. Well, that's embarrassing. Oh, wait, wait. Purple. Uh, it's not viticulture, is it? No. No. No, no that, that also has doesn't purple have cards. sunny. That has seasons. No, I think. it has seasons, yeah. All right. Okay, I give up. Yeah, I also give up. That's crazy. Yeah. Heaven and Ale. Oh, my oh, goodness. I've never played it. Yeah, that just I just didn't think of that game. Yeah, that's a good description. Yeah, there's definitely uh, shady and sunny side. Uh, everyone's favorite color is purple because the scoring discs are purple. Yep, and it's uh, yeah. and it's sort of a rondelle. We're going in circles around the board. Yep. No, that's a really good description. I just didn't think of the game really, and Trevor hasn't played it apparently. Yeah. Good job, Brandon. You stumped us both. I would wasn't yep. even trying to. I thought that was the easy one. <laughs> Is it me? Yeah, I've you're up. lost track of because my brain's exploding in darkness <laughs> and purple. <laughs> darkness and purple. You're, you better have purple and darkness and light there, <laughs> Clue. Uh, this is not going to be easy to to be honest, but maybe you'll, you'll get it. I don't know. Let's see. Friendly faces, familiar places, underhanded exchanges of valuable gifts, and then jokes on you. So again, friendly faces, familiar places, underhanded exchanges of valuable gifts, and then jokes on you. You want to make it a little more generic? It's uh, not. Is it Ponzi scheme? No, no, it's not Ponzi scheme. Okay, let's see. Uh... I say, well, friendly, f let's say, let's, oh, did, yeah, any any other guesses? No. I was going to give you hints, but. Friendly faces, familiar places, underhanded deals. Underhanded exchanges of valuable gifts and then jokes on you. Is it root? Uh, no. Friendly faces familiar guilds underhanded exchanges valuable gifts and then jokes on you or should i say what? jokers on you oh <laughs> guilds jokers valuable gifts Have I played this game? <laughs> yes. And, uh, possibly, unfortunately for you, that should also give you uh, an idea. Oh, I'm thinking it's... Uh, I can't remember the name of it. The faces matter because you have to follow them. Yeah, I know what it is. I just can't think uh, of the name. Uh, Pot de Vin? Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. 
the jokes on you is the jokers are on you because you get yeah. jokers and you have to assign them. Yeah. Exchange is a valuable gift. That's like trick taking. That's what I was trying to get there. I should have put oh, guilt because gotcha. it's difficult enough. <laughs> gotcha. Well, yeah, a trick-taking game where you exchange valuable gifts thematically. You're like bribing people and then you get jokers in it sometimes if you're cool enough. And the faces is uh, every... The suits are faces, actually. So unique, kind of. Huh. Actually, I we just talked about it, I think. I didn't know that there was a theme to that game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another game kind of like Trevor's uh, clue about Fox in the Forest where... I actually kind of like the theme in this one. I think it makes some kind of sense, even though it's very abstract. I'd never thought about the theme in Fox in the Forest duet. It's actually got a lot of flavor text in the rule book. Interesting, yeah, like, such a small game. But it's also like fairy tales, and I was like, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah. All right. My final clue. He's broken. She's broken. They're broken. At least you took my spot and I'm super rich. Not. <laughs> They're broken. Broken. He's broken. She's broken. They're broken. At least you took my spot and I'm super rich. Not. Uh, I'm a little confused about that one. I'm thinking of breaking. Breaking. What are we breaking? I'm going to go out on a limb and say Dice Forge. Incorrect. I'll I'll swap out a word and and see if it helps if you after you don't have any more guesses. Yeah, I think I'm kind of out. This is just completely I don't know what's okay. being broken. I'll uh, yeah. I'll make it a little less vague. He's overpowered. She's overpowered. They're overpowered. At least you took my spot and I'm super rich and can pay to be there. Not uh, that game where Terramara that comes to mind as far as overpowered. <laughs> also, it's a worker placement game where you take spots and maybe uh, you do generally get the stuff you take, though. So I don't know, but I'm guessing it's not Terramara. It is not. Gosh, what the heck is overpowered? I mean, Darwin's Journey, that's what we played. Sometimes it feels like things are overpowered there. Not really. Probably you wouldn't put Darwin's Journey, so that's out. Uh, Marco Polo as well, again? Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Gosh, yeah. I, I put it that's because... That's the other overpowered game that I... Yeah, I put it because I, I know Brandon hasn't played two, but one is the same way where all of the characters are broken and overpowered, but because they're all overpowered, supposedly it you know it, it evens out. And then dice placement, but you can always go where somebody else has gone. You just have to have the money to, to do it. Oh, yeah, because you follow them. I was thinking of why are you not rich if you went somewhere. I was thinking about going on the board, and if you went on the board, you are not 
missing out on stuff but i didn't think about the dice at all so yeah makes sense all right here's my final one this game isn't a dexterity game unless you have a doctorate in physics tokyo highway no that's a good guess though it's hmm. not a dexterity game. Meeple Circus. <laughs> I'll just list all the dexterity games. Man at work. <laughs> but do you need a do you need a doctorate in physics for it to be a dexterity game? Yeah, maybe the joke is that it's not a dexterity game. Actually, oh, flick them up. No. Oh, bonk. Maybe bonk. No. Bunk feels like you need. Is Teresa getting colder or warmer? <laughs> I'm guessing it's not the dexterity game, and this is the joke on me because I keep keep thinking of dexterity. Well, he, games. he told us it's not a dexterity game. Yeah, it's true. But he might be lying. Unless you have a doctorate in physics, then it is a dexterity game, which means you know exactly how something like Black Angel, where not really, I can't see you making a dexterity game out of that. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I'm gonna call for the first clue. <laughs> yeah, me too. This is kind of difficult. <sighs> All right. Colored shapes. Oh, drop oh, it! The the wheel game, uh, where you put the things in the. It is. Uh, it is. Drop it. It uh, nice. Is that what I was guessing? <laughs> no, you're guessing Hamster Rolly. Uh, uh, Hamster Rolly is the rolling game. I don't know if you've ever played game. Drop It. I think Brandon played it a couple of times with me like a while ago. And I, I don't know. Have you played Drop It? You drop shapes in like an aquarium type thing. Uh, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah and the, they they align and they give you points depending on how you drop and they bounce inside and it's kind of chaotic and funny because sometimes you get zero points if you drop wrongly. Anyway, Brandon, you were going to say? Yeah, the, the whole argument there is people are saying that it's not really a dexterity game because you just drop pieces in. And my defense of it being a dexterity game is like, well, if you're extremely good at physics, you can sort of like, you know, drop the shapes in a certain way at a certain angle and possibly get where you want it to go. Yeah. Yeah. Cause pieces are designed to kind of bounce around and just kind of surprise you. Uh, the joke is, uh, funny though, because it is a dexterity game, I'd say kind of. So yeah, I, I <laughs> do you have, a, do you have a doctor in physics? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, not really. No, I, I think in that game, actually you do have some control. Uh, it is designed to be not perfect control though, by far. And sometimes bounces can be just hilariously bad. And I think there's, supposed to kind of laugh and be like well that happened you know and yep kind of a novelty game like i played it a couple times and then had no desire to play it afterward but the couple times i played it was fun i played it with uh, my nephews too and they they quite enjoyed it i think it's more of a kid's game honestly but it wasn't like marketed really that way yeah i think it's okay enough it's just a party dexterity game yeah yep kind of party game that's everybody's right yeah, yep. that's it. All right, so Hristo and I are tied at two, and Trevor is the winner at three. Yeah. No. <laughs> What's a tiebreaker? Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, who got a tiebreaker for a second? 
most coins. Which oh, would you got to no, the, the turn order? <laughs> the tiebreaker is I come up with an on the spot, and then we'll see. And then we tie with you. And then we have another one. <laughs> Tiebreakers until someone wins, like forever. Yeah. Buckle that buckle in people. It's gonna be a long episode. Well, how about the winner gets to pick the uh top three for the next show? Yay. All right. I'm fine with it. Sounds good. All right. Well, I believe that does it for us. So we will see you in a couple weeks. Cards and Cubes has been a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, Rabble Rabble Rabble, a comedic look at current events, and Steady Diet of Music, a bi-weekly fix of opinions by musicians. You can get a hold of Cards and Cubes via email, Cards and Cubes podcast at gmail.com or visit our website www.cardsandcubes.com We'd like to thank Kirsten Adams for designing our logo Find more of Kirsten's art on Instagram at catcoffee that's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E We'd also like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme and thank all of you for listening and we will return in a couple of weeks Music